just want to end off. Now, after it says how David Melech, when the Aaron, when he brought the Aaron back to Yerushalayim, he danced in front of the Aaron, and he danced all out to the point where Michal Bashal, his wife, daughter of Shal, she was embarrassed. She felt like David kind of embarrassed himself. He went too far. And she tells him off. She tells him that, you know, it's a very sad day that the king of the Jewish people should become so disgraced in front of everybody. And in my father's house, no one does anything. Her father, Shaul, was known for being very regal. And she kind of gives David a lot of musr for the way he danced. And David Melech tells her back a very strong language. He says that the reason why Hashem chose me to be king over your father's house is because your father's house, they dressed up for their own honor. And I embarrassed myself for the honor of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And all the Mepharshim ask, we know that David, Shaul HaMelech, Shaul was a Tzadik Gomer, to the point where Shaul HaMelech was spared because of his Tzniyas, because of his modesty and his regalness. David was in a cave with Shaul, and he was going to kill him. But he saw how Tzniyas, he saw how modest and how regal Shaul behaved, and he couldn't bring himself to do it. So how could David HaMelech go and say, to Michal, the daughter of Shaul, that your father's house, they did it all for themselves, they did it for their own honor. So I saw the real Chayo, he explains as follows. He says that, of course, Shaul HaMelech did everything for the right reasons. Of course, they were tzaddikim. But if his daughter, Michal, can make a mistake and think that what David did was wrong, that what David went and embarrassed himself for the sake of the honor of Hashem by dancing all out in front of the Aaron. If she can come to such a mistake, it means that it wasn't clear, it wasn't obvious in the house what they're doing their tzniyas, what they're doing their regalness for. If this kid can think that there's something wrong with embarrassing yourself for the sake of bringing honor to Hashem, it means that it wasn't given over properly. This lesson of modesty and regalness, it wasn't given over in the completely right way. And that was what David Amalek was telling her, that it wasn't perfect. You misunderstood the message of your father's house. And something to keep in mind is that whenever we do something in our house, we want to make sure our children fully understand what it's about. When we go all out and making a lavish Shabbos meal, we want to make sure our children understand that we're doing this, not because it's a day we like to party. It's because it's a day that we show honor to Hashem, and it's a day that we celebrate the fact that Gosh Baruch Hu gave us the gift of Shabbos. And it goes with everything we do in life. We could do the right thing. We want to make sure that we and our children, all of us around us, understand the reason and what we're doing it for. Everyone should have a wonderful Shabbos. Hello, everybody. This is Parashat Parashat Shmini. And the Parashat begins with the final day of the inauguration of the Mishkan. And now Moshe Rabbeinu is putting Aaron to be the Kayin Gadol. And he's going to be doing all the services of a day. And the Pasuk tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu tells Aaron to go and to bring the carbon, to bring the sacrifices that are going to bring the kapara, bring the atonement for the chay to Egel, for the sin of the golden calf. And Rashi tells us how Aaron was baish. He was embarrassed. He didn't want to go. And Moshe had to push him. And Moshe Rabbeinu says to Aaron, Lama ata baish, why are you embarrassed? Lekach nivcharta, for this you were chosen. And all the Mepharshim asked, what do you mean, what are you embarrassed? Aaron felt embarrassed because he knew that he had so to be taken part in the sin of the golden calf. He was the one in charge at the time. So of course he's embarrassed. What are you telling him for this you were chosen? And the Imre Amos explains as follows. He says, 
we all know that each person in this world was put here for a certain reason. Every person has a mission, has something in life that only he can accomplish. How do you know what that is? How do we know what our mission is? And the answer, says the Vilna Gain, is very simple. The thing a person struggles with, the thing that a person has the hardest time overcoming, those sins, those taivas, those lusts that a person finds he struggles with the most, those are the things that a person was put in this world to conquer, and if he conquers them, he will be fulfilling his specific tafkid, his specific mission in this world. Aaron is embarrassed. He felt that he sinned with the Cheta Egel, and how could he be the one to bring the Kapara? How could he be, be the one to bring the atonement? Says Moshe, what are you embarrassed about? You were specifically chosen to be the one to bring about the atonement, the kapara, for Chet Ego, because you're the one who struggled with it. That's your job. That's your mission. And something we always have to keep in mind, whenever we have something we struggle with, it shouldn't turn us down. It shouldn't get us depressed. It should be the biggest reason to recognize this is what we're here to do. This is what we're here to accomplish. And if we overcome it, and we will overcome it, as long as we understand that that's our mission, and that's something only we can do. The parasha continues and tells us the tragic death of Nadav and Aviyu, Aaron's two sons. And it's a very interesting Rashi, a difficult Rashi. Rashi tells us that the Pasha specifically calls Aaron's two other sons, Elazar and Yisamar, his bond of Hanesarim, his remaining children. And Rashi explains why they're called the remaining, because Rashi says, when Aaron sinned by the Chet Ego, and Aaron sinned by the Golden Calf, he was supposed to, all his children were supposed to die, but because he did Shuvah, and because he davened, he was able to save two of them. Rashi implies very strongly that the reason why Nadav and Aviyu died was because of Aaron's sin by the Chet Ego. Now, the question is obvious, how could it be that Nadav and Aviyu died because of Aaron's sin? And more than that, the Pesach says explicitly why they died. The Pesach says they died because they brought a, a foreign fire. They weren't supposed to bring this carbon. And the Medrash goes on to say different reasons of what they did in their sin. But it has nothing to do seeming with Aaron's sin by the Chet Ego. And I once heard a shot, I once heard an explanation that we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he gives punishments, when he punishes, God forbid, it's different than a human being. A human being punishes, he can't take into account all the ramifications of his punishment. If a legal court, you know, a human court, has to lock somebody up for something that they did wrong, they can't take into account the fact that his family now will lose their breadwinner. They can't. They can only do what they could do, which is he has to get locked in jail. So that's it. They have to lock him up. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, though, is different. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is all-powerful, and he can take into account everybody who's going to suffer from this punishment. And he will not punish if anybody who's going to suffer didn't deserve it. So when we say that Aaron did a chete egel, and that's why none of you died, we don't mean that that's why they died. They died for their own sin. But how could it be that Aaron, such a tzaddik, would suffer the loss of his children? That, says Rashi, that's because of his sin in the chete egel. Each person who suffers from something, it could only be if they did something that causes that 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 that, that they need that suffering as a kapara. And that's what Rashi means when he says that because of Aaron's sin, the Egel, none of you died. The Gemara tells us that anybody who gets angry, kol mistalekes, he loses his wisdom. A person forgets his learning. A person isn't the same once he gets angry. The Gemara proves it from our parsha. The Pasuk says how Moshe Rabbeinu gets upset at Aaron and his sons 
about the fact that they burnt one of the carbonists and didn't eat it. And the Pasuk explains afterwards how Moshe Rabbeinu realized he made a mistake. And the Gemara says the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu made a mistake was because of his anger. And you see that anger can make someone forget his Torah knowledge. Now the obvious question is, it seems out of order. Moshe Rabbeinu seemingly got upset because he thought that they did the wrong thing. So seemingly, the fact that he forgot the halacha is what caused him to get angry. Not that the anger caused him to forget the halacha. So Chaim Shmulevitz and Sichas Moser explains that you see from this Gemara a very deep point. We think of anger when it actually comes out in practice, when a person actually flies off the handle. And that's when he starts forgetting stuff. But you see from this Gemara, it's not true. Anger runs much deeper. A person has inside him the character trait of anger, and a person has to work on himself to uproot it, whether it comes from a person's ego, whether it comes from a person's lack of patience, whatever the source of a person's tendency of getting angry, but it's already rooted in his character traits, and it has to be uprooted before then. If a person even has the character of becoming angry, that already causes him to start forgetting Torah knowledge, because he can't fully connect to the Torah, which comes from Hashem, if he's imperfect in his character traits. A person has to work on that before he gets angry, and then he can fully connect to the Torah, and then his chachma, his wisdom, will not leave him when the trial comes to become angry. Somebody came once to Reb Shach, and Reb Shach was at the time, he was a Gadladar, and Reb Shach was telling him about different things, about different issues with different political parties in Eretz Yisrael. And Shach was being very explicit about what he thought was wrong with different political parties. And the person asked him, you know, seemingly it's Lashon Hari, you're not supposed to talk slander about other people. So Shach told him, I want to ask you a question. We know that in Parshas Nayach, when the Torah talks to Noach about the animals that should come onto the Teva, it says, the Torah describes it as the animals that are tahar, the pure, and the ones that are not tahar, the ones that are, in, that are not pure. And the Gemara points out himself, and the Gemara says, you see that the Torah doesn't want to say the word tame impure, it says they're not tahar, they're not pure. Yet, says Rav when it comes to our parsha, the Torah says explicitly time and time again, tame hulachem, tame hulachem, it's impure for you, you can't eat this animal, you can't eat that animal. What's the difference? Says Rav the answer is very simple. For us to know what Noyach brought or didn't bring at that point, it's not as relevant right now. So the Torah can go and talk about it in a flowery way and say it wasn't pure. When a Torah is telling a person what they could eat and what they can't eat, the Torah explicitly says, This is Tameh for you, don't go near it. So too, says Abshach, there are certain times in life when we have to avoid things that are bad and things that are wrong. And then we have to be very explicit. We have to say what the issue is, what the person is doing wrong, because it's relevant. When it's not relevant, we never talk about bad things. We always say, oh, it's not pure. We talk in a very roundabout way. But when it's relevant, when we're trying to avoid a problem, a person doing a transgression, we say explicitly what the issue is and how to stay away from it. When the Torah talks about the gummel, the camel, and the fact that it's not pure and we can't eat it. The Torah says like this. It says the gumbel is, is, is impure. Why? Because he chooses kud. But his hooves are not completely split. The Kliyakar asks, seemingly the Torah should say the opposite. The reason why the camel is impure 
is because its hooves are not completely split. Why are we saying the reason why it's impure is because it chews its cud, but its hooves are not split? Chewing its cud is a good thing. It's one of the simonim, it's one of the signs of a kosher animal. And he explains that the Torah is telling me a very deep point here. A lot of times in life, the things that are half kosher, things that pretend to be kosher, are much worse than the things that are openly not kosher. The camel is tame not just because its hooves are not completely split. It's tame because it chews its cud despite the fact that it's not really kosher. The fact that it looks like it's kosher, it acts like it's kosher, even though it's not really kosher, is what makes it all that much worse. 